This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you afterwards. We are in the middle of a series. We're working our way through the book of Acts, story by story. Uh, we're also telling you some chapel praise stories each week. This week, instead of doing those at the beginning of the message, I'm going to incorporate them, uh, a couple of them, at the end of today. So I think they fit well. Today's topic from Acts is divine healing. So that's why we're going to save some of those for a little bit later. So if you have a Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 5 this morning, talking about what divine healing is, what it looks like, the purpose of it, um, and then kind of using that as an opportunity to talk about some larger teachings on healing that the Scripture scriptures give to us. Um, what I know about divine healing is on any, get, uh, any particular Sunday morning when we gather together, there are people in need of healing, people who are looking for the Lord to act, to work, to move. Um, we are sometimes coming for ourselves. We are sometimes coming for others. I've been at Christian Chapel long enough to hear um, a similar theme in a lot of testimonies of people who come in with physical need. And uh, for some reason, we make bargains with God throughout the week of like, Lord, if on Sunday, they talk about someone with a particular spot that hurts, and it's the exact spot that hurts, then I'll ask someone to pray for me, uh, you know, or so if that's you, this, like, this is just your sign for today, okay? Uh, God has a plan, he can heal, he does heal, and we're going to take some opportunity at the end to pray for that together, so um, I, I don't really know why we do that, um, you know, it's like, like we're making a deal with God of I'll only ask you for something good if certain requirements are met. Uh, it's, it's kind of backwards, and, and so I hope we can kind of lay that down this morning and just understand healing's a gift from God, and our job is not to earn it or deserve it. Our job is just to come and ask for it. And so that's kind of what the scriptures model for us, and that's what we're going to practice together today. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 5. We're going to read verses 12 through 16. If you don't have one, it'll be here on the screens for you to follow along with me. It says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless... More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed." So as you work your way through Acts chapter 5, you find a, a couple of recurring themes that we've seen so far. The first is that the early church was a supernatural community. It says in verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. A, it's an area in the temple complex where they would gather. And so the, the picture we get in Acts 5 is a growing community of believers who is experiencing the supernatural work of God. And it seems like a great recipe of if you want to grow a group of believers, if you want to grow a church, you should meet together, and when you experience the signs and wonders of God, others will be drawn into it, and the church will continue to grow. But as you read through Acts 5, you see that the text doesn't seem to support the idea that it was the large group gatherings that were causing the church to grow. As you keep reading, it says, "...no one dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people." 
And so it's this strange picture we're getting of a supernatural community experiencing the supernatural work of God, and other people are afraid to join them. And the reason they're afraid to join them, if you read it in context, you can back up just a little bit, and there's two primary reasons. One is they were being persecuted by the religious leaders of Jerusalem. And so because persecution had started to come, it wasn't popular, it wasn't necessarily safe to be a Christian, and so there were those who were on the outside of the Christian community, those who were maybe interested in the Christian community, but they were afraid to join the community because of the threat of persecution. And then the other reason, if you were with us last week on Mother's Day, that some might have been scared to join the church is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Right? If you had heard, hey, last week at Christian Chapel, someone came in and lied to the Lord and he died. And then that evening, his wife came in, and she died. You're probably not eager to go to that church, right? And you're probably not eager to bring your friends and family of like, hey, you want to go? There's a chance one of us won't come home, right? And then some of you, you've got family members in mind of like, no, I would take them. I would invite them to that church. I've been praying. You know, that's, that's not it. There's another work in your heart that God needs to do. Uh, but but so, so there's this, this weird kind of position the church is in. Of It's a supernatural community. Signs and wonders are accompanying the gospel message. And then everyone's afraid to join them. But then as you keep reading through Acts, it says, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And so even as people are aware of persecution, even as the reputation of God's holiness and judgment are being kind of shared among them, still somehow the church is growing, but it doesn't seem it's growing when they're gathered together in the temple complex. So as you read through Acts chapter 5, we see that the supernatural community is most likely growing because of their ministry that's being done outside of their corporate gatherings. In verse 15, it says, People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. The implication is that Peter and the apostles were not restricting their ministry moments, were not restricting their preaching of the gospel, their, their, their opportunities for God to perform signs and wonders, their prayers for healing to the spaces where they were all gathered together. And this is is perhaps something that's worth us considering this morning. For many of us, when we think of divine healing, we might think, especially in a Pentecostal or charismatic kind of background, of healing evangelists or healing ministers or healing ministries or healing events, opportunities where we go to a certain place and hope that we see healing. But what we see in Acts chapter 5 is a group of Christians that people are scared to join, but God keeps working in the marketplace, in the streets, and in homes. And so the the gospel is being preached by the apostles. It's being preached by Christians everywhere they go and everything they do. And God is confirming it with signs and with wonders. And many of these signs and wonders are occurring just out in their regular lives. And it's an opportunity for us to remember that a supernatural community is one where we don't just spectate, but we participate. I can't remember the, the author who said it or the pastor who I heard it from, uh, but I, I, I remember at one point hearing somebody talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the Holy Spirit, and they used the phrase of, in a Spirit-empowered community, everyone gets to play. Right? And, and it was this picture of some of us, sometimes we view this idea of spirit-empowered ministry, and especially supernatural gifts like divine healing, almost like we're kids at recess getting picked for teams. 
And it's only the, the most special among us who are selected. It's only the ones who are really holy. It's only the ones who've spent a lot of time in prayer. It's only those who've done some of those things who are invited into God's presence and allowed to exercise and operate in these gifts. But what we see in Acts is the clear and repeated message that God has poured his spirit out on all flesh, our sons and our daughters, our old men and old women, and our young men and our young women. And it means that every single person who has surrendered their lives to Jesus now receives the power of the Holy Spirit and can be used by God to perform signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of healing to confirm the gospel message. And so what that challenges some of us for today is it means that healing is not something we go somewhere to watch someone else do. You can't buy a ticket to watch God heal someone else, right? You were never intended to come to a church and sit in a row while someone up front performed healing miracles and you just sat and applauded in the back. We are never intended to wait for someone else to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. When we are full of the Spirit, it's our opportunity to step into any situation, any place, at any time, and trust that as we share the gospel, God confirms his message with his his signs, with his wonders, and with his gifts of healing. And so that means my job is not to sit around and wait for you to participate, and your job is not to sit around and wait for me to participate, but each one of us is to take the individual responsibility that comes from being a person who is full of the Holy Spirit and to understand if I am sick, hurt, or injured, I will ask others to pray with me. If I see others who are sick, hurt, or injured, I will pray with them, and we will believe we don't have to wait for the one holy man or the one holy woman to come so that we can experience the healing gifts of God, but we will believe they can be released anywhere, anytime by anyone on whom the Spirit rests. And what Acts chapter 5 tells us is that when the Spirit rests on a supernatural community, it's a community where we all begin to participate in the healing that God wants to release in the world. You listen to the, the phrase that is used, the apostles performed many signs and wonders. When it comes to, to participating in divine healing, we have to ask ourselves, what, what exactly does that mean they performed them? Does it mean they controlled the healing? Does it mean they manipulated the healing? I think as we read through the scriptures, we understand the apostles did not control the healing. The apostles were not healers. We understand from the scriptures that divine healing is a supernatural gift from God. Divine healing is not something that I control. It's not something that someone else controls. It's something that God chooses to release through his disciples. So when it says that the apostles performed signs and wonders, another way of saying that is God released signs and wonders through the apostles. The apostles' ability to experience this miraculous and supernatural work of God was not rooted in their ability, but in their availability. They simply stepped into a space and decided if divine healing is a supernatural gift from God, then we will make ourselves available to see that gift released among God's people. And so what that means, if divine healing is a gift from God, it means that we can't control it, we can't manipulate it. Now, that should actually take all the pressure off of you when you're praying for someone to be healed. Right? Because it, what that means is it's not primarily about me if you're healed when I pray for you. And it's not primarily about me if I'm healed when someone else prays for me. 
Now, as you read through the scriptures, we're told to ask for faith to believe for healing. We're told to ask for faith when we pray for others to receive healing. We're given some some ideas and some models that we can embrace and we can practice. But nowhere in the scriptures do we find formulas for divine healing that say if we do A, B, and C, God will always do D. Because divine healing is a supernatural gift from God, it means that there are always elements of mystery and faith involved in healing. There's always a space where we believe in every situation God can heal, and many of us can tell stories of how God has healed, and then we all also know that there are stories where God has not healed. Many of you know Rubens Cunha. Rubens is one of our, our Kingdom Builders partners, he and Steffi, and they travel around the world holding these great gospel campaigns, and they, see, they have seen thousands and thousands and thousands of confirmed miracles of blind eyes that have been opened, of deaf ears that have been opened, people who stand up out of wheelchairs, just incredible miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet, if you talk to Rubens, Rubens will be the first one to tell you there's no formula. Like, I I don't understand. He will pray for one person in a wheelchair, and they stay in the wheelchair, and the next person gets up out of the wheelchair. When I was a a youth pastor and we were leading trips to Brazil, uh, one of the things I noticed with teenagers is they they always kind of had this view of, like, I think Rubens can heal people, but I can't. Because he just has all of these stories and all these things. And so we would have Rubens come and talk to our teenagers before every trip. And my, my favorite example from Rubens was he said, when I first started feeling like God was calling me to begin to pray for healing and believe for healing, I went to the only place I knew to do that because I, I wasn't a pastor. I didn't have a ministry. So I just went to the hospital. So and I went to the hospital and, and I asked, hey, can I go pray for people? And they said, sure, you can. He said, and I, I went into the first room and I prayed for the man. And he died. And, and as he, he would tell that story, and then he would start to tell some other stories of people who were healed, and then he would tell stories of praying for people, and they died, and people weren't. And, and all he was trying to do is the same thing that the scriptures are trying to teach us of it's not our job to control it. It's not our job to let our previous discouragement keep us from believing God can still heal. Our only job is just to stand on the ground of we believe God can heal. We believe God does heal. We believe the scriptures tell us that if we're sick, we're to call for the elders of the church to anoint us with oil, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. We're going to do these things, but we're always going to do them from a position of humility. Understanding that healing is a supernatural gift from God. And the primary purpose of healing in Acts chapter 5 is to confirm the gospel message. Now, God still releases gifts of healing among believers, right? There are still contexts where it's, it's only Christians who've already surrendered their lives to Jesus, and they receive supernatural gifts of healing. Healing is a gift of grace that God extends to his people. It's an opportunity for us to understand that he loves us, that he's for us, that he is with us. But yet, we always have to come with that position of humility, understanding, I can't control this and God can't control this. And anytime we come across people who want to tell us, well, actually, I can guarantee you can be healed. Right? And if you'll just pray this prayer, if you'll say these words, if you'll do this thing, then you will always and forever be healed. And usually, those people will eventually come to the recognition that they have overstepped the bounds of Scripture. Right? So we just want to anchor ourselves in this place of divine healing is a supernatural gift from God. And oftentimes what you will find in a supernatural community where people have surrendered to Jesus, they walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be stories of healing. 
As I talk to, to my pastor friends around Tulsa and around the country, we regularly tell each other the stories of healing that are occurring in our communities. And it's a great encouragement that things don't just happen at Christian Chapel, but they happen at Woodlake, and they happen at City Church, and they happen at Foundations Church, and they're happening at Destiny in Broken Arrow, right? And they're happening out at Core Church in Broken Arrow, and they're happening in Sand Springs, and they're happening in Pittsburgh, and they're happening in Sacramento, and they're happening in Florida. All over the country, we hear these stories, right? And, and so so the only recipe for healing is are God's people full of God's spirit and asking him to release his gifts. And if they are, we will see supernatural communities experiencing the supernatural move of God. Now, not all of us are healed all of the time, no matter how much we want that to happen. Yet as we keep reading in the story of Acts, we see that, that though God will often and frequently heal one or two here or there, that there will be enough, of evident, enough evidence of divine healing to keep us pursuing it, sometimes in particular places, in particular churches, through particular ministries, particular parts of the world, among people groups, places where the gospel is taking a hold or where God is starting revival movements, there will be seasons of divine healing where healing moves from one or two to dozens or hundreds or even thousands. This is what seems to be happening in Acts chapter 5. We hear a description. It says, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Divine healing is a consistent theme in the early church. We're going to see it over and over and over again as we work our way through Acts. And yet there also seem to be some of these moments where a larger outpouring of healing occurs. It's a ministry pattern that we see in Jesus' life, there were times when Jesus went to places and it says that he wasn't able to heal anyone at all. There are other times, when he, many times, when he went and he would heal one or two or three or four people. And then there are a few times where it says that Jesus was ministering to crowds and places and regions and all who came to him were healed. This is what seems to happen here in Acts chapter 5 and it's a picture for us of how the church grows in a place where people are afraid to join large group gatherings of Christians. It says everywhere people came from, they brought them to the church and they were healed. All of them were healed. And as you read through church history, you see that that practice continues as well. That there are times, communities like Christian Chapel, where, where we embrace the work of the Spirit, where we seek God's gifts and he releases them in his grace. And we have stories here and stories there and they become frequent and they become regular. And then sometimes in certain places, in certain churches, at certain times, for reasons God has ordained in his sovereign plan, he pours out special seasons of healing where it legitimately seems as if all are healed. Now, I, I'll be 100% honest with you. I have never witnessed one of those moments myself. I've been in places where people have been healed ones and twos at a time, where they've been healed maybe dozens at a time. I've never been in a place where everyone who had a need was healed. Now, I, I want to. I think that'd be pretty great. If God wanted to do it today, I'd be okay with it, right? And if he did it, I would really hope he'd do it in the 915 and in the 1045, <laughs> Because otherwise, that's going to get weird, right? You guys, you know, I mean, there's going to be some like, well, should have come at 1045. The 915 people, they get up early, they get everything, right? Like, whatever it is. I, I would hope it would be all of us all at once. 
I long for that moment, but, but what seems to be the story is when God does that in the scriptures, when he does it in church history, it is often associated either with the first movement of the gospel into a region or with some type of revival or renewal movement in a region among a people group or among a church. And so, so we don't really ever see a pattern of a particular ministry or particular place where everyone is healed all of the time forever. It's always these little seasons, and and it really makes us stop and ask, well, why does that happen? And I think the reason for that is Jesus wants us to understand that divine healing is always intended to point to him, right? So, So healing miracles are never the ultimate miracle. And, and we have heard extraordinary healing miracles, right? The, the Gospels are full of extraordinary healing miracles from paralytics who get up, from the man who's, who's at the temple gate in Acts that we looked at just a couple weeks ago who's been paralyzed for 40 years and he gets up and walks, to Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus calling him out after he's been dead for three days. Again and again and again, we see these extraordinary miracles. And in your life, you might have the one thing you're waiting for God to do and you think, God, if you could just do that, if you could just heal this, if you could just raise up this family member, their suffering is so well known, their injury is so recognized. Their sickness has been such a part of their story. Lord, if you would just do that, it would be the greatest miracle we have ever seen. And yet what we see in the scriptures is that divine healing, as wonderful as it is, is never the greatest miracle. And here's why. Because divine healing at its greatest moment is still a temporary miracle. Every person who's ever been healed dies. Every person who's ever been healed almost always has something later in life that they want to be healed from again. Many of you, you're like me, you have experienced God's divine healing power in your life. And within a matter of weeks, months, or years, you desperately needed God's divine healing power again. And that's great, and the scriptures teach us we can ask again and again and again and again. But what we see in Acts chapter 5 is this season of divine healing was poured out to establish the gospel in a particular place, not to create a healing ministry where that was the sum of their existence. But instead, healing was given as a divine sign to point people to a divine Savior. And so the greatest